Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. In the next hour, Dr. Pat showcases some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Get ready to live life full out. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. It's great, great, great to have you here. Um, we've got a great show for all of you today. You know, recently we've been part of a global initiative. You know, that global initiative has to do with um, an event that's being launched in Seattle. And that event um, is all about forgiveness in, in the very depth and the breadth of what we know about it. You know, here we have... Uh, Eric Lawyer, an amazing firefighter um, out of Seattle that woke up with a vision one day. And his vision was to shift the consciousness, to shift from hate to love. And he is someone that knows a lot about hate because like so many people in this country, so many of the folks around 9-11, Hate was our first response. And what he then felt is betrayed, betrayed at a lot of different levels. You know, he felt like here we are now again. We have put every effort, every energy towards what seemed to be the strategy of war that was going to solve all things. And along the way, he discovered that that kind of energy that kind of approach, that kind of hate in the world does nothing but continue to destroy. Today's show is about the many, many people, and two in particular, who have looked into the deep, dark eyes of hate on both sides of it and have been able to move beyond all of that to see the soul's journey in those eyes. And so today you're going to get to meet two incredible individuals and hear a story, partake in a journey of what each and every one of us has the ability to do to move from hate to love. Right here on the Dr. Pat show on September 9th, 10th and 11th, we will be broadcasting live on the entire weekend interviewing some of the most incredible people in the field of human potential and spiritual leaders and, 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 and people on the streets that have said yes to love and no to hate. So today, I want all of you to, to know that it is not only possible for us to do that, but it is essential today. And so you'll find out more about this broadcast um, if you want to Check it out. Go to onetheevent.org. There'll be lots more information we're going to share. We're going to ask all of our radio networks if they want to participate as well. But to err is, is human. To forgive is divine. Uh, two incredible people joining me here today, Matthew Boger and Tim Zoll. And they are both here for us to get to the heart of hate and the soul of love. Both of them have extraordinary stories. How their lives are intertwined can only be best described by my colleague, Carolyn Mace. And that has to do with our soul's contract. You're going to hear Matthew's story of how he, how he grew up as a young teenager, what some of the hate uh, was that came by him. And you're going to then hear Tim talk about his journey. What was it like to be in the mode of hate. And so many people believe that hate isn't a realistic emotion. But yet, I've got two people here that have been on both sides of it. Matthew, Tim, welcome to the show. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I, want to, I want to start with a question for each of you. That's probably a question that you, you, don't, you didn't think I was going to ask you. We're going to get into what your journey is, but before we do, congratulations to both of you on the 2011 Heroes of Forgiveness Award. Um, how incredible, and boy, what does that say about the work you're doing? So congratulations to both of you. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. So the question is, you know, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the obstacles that each of you have had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? And I'd love to start with you, Matthew. Uh, the, well, the challenge was going deep to understand what it what it would be to forgive Tim. And, you know, there was many obstacles in that path. It took a couple of years to accomplish that forgiveness. And one of the challenges is, you know, just now coming to the understanding that forgiveness is a process. I still, sometimes daily and, you know, throughout time, continue to forgive Tim when I am driving in Los Angeles and I drive past the alley of the incident and mm-hmm. the emotions come back. I have to remember to forgive him and not to sink back into those feelings of resentment and anger. And when I do, I have to immediately shift back into, you know, I've forgiven this guy. I've forgiven this incident. So those can be challenges and obstacles. Um, one of the biggest challenges was, did I really want to forgive him? Did I right. really want him? At first, I thought it would make him less accountable. So let's, you know, this is kind of a, a, a tale of uh, two cities, so to speak, and it's, it's so, so interesting. You know, Tim, what was your perspective on this? What were the challenges you've overcome? Uh, well, for me, this this particular situation, um, you know, I had been at the Museum of Tolerance in Los Angeles for approximately five years at that time. I had been out of the white racialist movement for uh, eight, nine years, uh, remarried uh, to a Jewish woman. So I had sort of changed my life and, um, you know, people would come and hear me speak and they would say, oh, Tim, you're, you know, change, you're such a great this and that. And there was a little bit of ego involved. Um, and then uh, Matthew came on the scene and, you know, there's always... Uh, skeptics, you know, especially in the audience, like when I speak for law enforcement or uh, academics or whatever, there's always going to be uh, uh, some sort of skeptic. Um, and uh, for me, it was like I had to go back to being the bad guy again, and it was really tough, especially there's such a contrast between Matthew and myself when we're standing, especially when we're doing a presentation together. So, um, you know, I had to step back and uh, start uh, sort of uh, keeping myself grounded as much as I could because I knew that the right thing to do was what I was doing. And by apologizing, um, it, it opened up a whole a whole new world. Uh, I think both Matthew and I went through our own little um, turmoil uh, and circumstances. And um, I had never really had to deal with... Uh, a victim of my past uh, behavior uh, on a personal level in this manner. And uh, I actually uh, went through a lot of uh, guilt. Um, you know, originally I, I attempted to, to blame the victim, which is very common. Uh, but then once I, I uh, asked Matthew for forgiveness... There was a process, Matthew says, like two years or so, and there were times when, you know, we would be before people or traveling together, and we would sit there and we would nod and smile, but there was this, you know, we were cordial, obviously, but but I think we both could tell there was, uh, I hate to use the cliche, but an elephant in the room. Yes. Um, and uh, I could definitely feel it, but I knew that it was a process, um, and eventually uh, we got through it. And, and as Matthew said, it is a daily uh, sort of journey, uh, especially with the, the feelings of guilt. Uh, not over, just over Matthew, but I'm, you know, I, all the things that I've done in my life, negative things, all the people I've hurt, uh, my child, for example, who is a very troubled young man. Um, it, it just depends on the day. And if, if I want to have inner peace, 
uh, I really need to work on it every single day. Well, I'll tell you, you know, that is really a, an inc- important theme for the show today. You know, when we come back from break, I want to talk about the elephant in the room, you know, because this is this is the conversation for the world to really pay attention to. You know, what is the elephant, elephant in the room? What was your first meeting like for each of you? And how far have you come uh, to bring you to this place where you now are honored You have become spokespeople for forgiveness. When we come back, Matthew will reveal this incident, the first meeting that he and Tim had, what that was like for him, what that was like for Tim. And then we will fast forward light years away to what these two individuals are doing to help all of us practice forgiveness every day. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. What if your best friend could take a peek into the future? Psychic, author, and cosmic coach Dougal Fraser is that friend. He's the queer guy with a third eye. From gossip to gurus, meditation to martinis, The Dougal Fraser Show is a call-in advice show that provides insights and information on creating your best life. Every Tuesday at 10, he'll take calls and talk about love, money, sex, pop culture, and give free advice. No topic is off limits. It's The Dougal Fraser Show. Are you feeling stuck in a dead-end job, an unhappy relationship, or struggling with your health? Would you like to thrive in all areas of your life? Trisha Moore can help you find the answers you're looking for. A gifted, intuitive consultant, Trisha will help you find your passion and gain confidence to move ahead at record speed. Schedule a free 15-minute consultation. Call 206-618-8601 and visit TrishaMoore.com. Move into action, one intuitive step at a time. Zeo 88 Zeolite, the natural and effective way to detox radiation, heavy metals, toxins, and pollutants from your body. High levels from Japan have reached the U.S. Remove these contaminants easily and safely by using Zeo 88 Zeolite pure powder form. Order now and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com. Dr. Cindy Schreiber cares about what you think of yourself. Dr. Cindy has helped thousands safely lose weight and will be leading a weight loss retreat in Costa Rica this July 16th. You will gently detox, eat clean, and finally stop emotional eating, utilizing Ayurvedic products for maximum health. It's possible to relax and release old behaviors and finally get that body you deserve. In this five-star paradise setting, contact yourtransformations.com or call 916-580-8799. TransformationTalkRadio.com TransformationTalkRadio.com Transforming the world one listener at a time. We all want deeper, more intimate relationships. But how do we create successful relationships and maintain strong connections? Peter Kane has some real answers. Author of The Monogamy Challenge, Creating and Keeping Intimacy, Peter is one of the original breath workers and relationship trainers with over 30 years' experience. Breathe, relax, or create intimacy and keep it thriving. Visit PeterKane.org or contact Peter Kane at 425-802-2050. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. To err is human, to forgive is divine. Two people joining me here today, Matthew Boger and Tim Zoll. And here's the deal. You're going to find out right now why these two uh, incredible folks are joining me here today on the show. Because now you're going to hear what that elephant is. And I want to sort of preface this a little bit. 
by saying that each of us has the opportunity to forgive. Somewhere along the line, there is something to forgive, if not our own selves. But, you know, perhaps a relationship that ended, perhaps a job that let you go, perhaps, you know, the the economy that you're holding so tightly in your grip of hate right now and anxiety. All of this takes its toll on us as individuals and as a collective on the world. So how do you move from these levels of hate, you know, this this emotion that shows up, despise, anger, fear? How do you move from that to a place of forgiveness and the gift of love and the gift of, if nothing else, gratitude? Well, this is the story of two of of the most unlikely people, you know, go back a bunch of years that would have received a 2011 Heroes of Forgiveness Award. But guess what? They have. Thank you both for joining us here. It's great to have you. And, I, you know, I want to start this conversation um, with that day way back when, Matthew, you know, going back that day way back when, when perhaps an encounter that you had with Tim could have shocked, changed your life more profoundly than you imagine. And so let's share with our listeners how this all began. Well, let's go back to 1979. When I was 13 years old, I, for many reasons and nothing planned, had come out to my mom. I'm one of seven kids. Her response at that time was she threw me out of the house and Unfortunately, she passed away six years ago, and we never spoke again. And I turned 45 on Monday. I was living on the streets of Los Angeles, actually, in a park 24-7, seven days a week. A few months of my journey on living on the streets, I was hanging out at a hamburger stand in Los Angeles and became the victim of 14 neo-Nazi skinheads who had decided that night for whatever their reason would be, that they would kill me simply for the fact that I was gay, based on the assumption that I was. They didn't know. They just chose me. I was the one that was alone. I was the littlest one there. They chased me into the alley behind the hamburger stand and all with razor blades glued to the front of their boots, started beating, kicking, and punching relentlessly until um, I had gone unconscious and... The sad part of this is that Tim was one of the perpetrators that night. He was sort of the one that, you know, led that attack, and it was his boot and his blade that kicked me unconscious and sliced my head open, believing that they had accomplished their goal, which was to kill this little kid. Mm. They decided to leave the alley and go have drinks. What they did not know was, one, that I survived, But two, just moments before going unconscious, I raised my head and was able to watch 14 guys high-five each other. Basically, it was like congratulatory mood. Where should we have a drink? This was great. And at the age of 14, to watch that and to know that these people who did not know you, did not speak to you, but chose to hate you so much, that they felt it was okay to wipe you off the earth. Mm. And I laid in that alley, unconscious, for I don't know how long. Eventually, you know, I did regain consciousness. I was so afraid at that point and so deep in fear that I did not call the police and I chose not to go to the hospital. I nursed my wounds back inside the park for many months until I was healed enough uh, to, like, carry on. And by the way, I spent another three and a half years on the streets 24-7 before I eventually got off. And that's Mm. the elephant that's in the room that people don't know about Tim and I. Mm. Tim, I want to ask you in a a painful way to go back to that night, if you can. I know you have done this many, many times. Um, And I I believe you still go back. And that's that's your gift, actually, uh, to be able to recognize what happened. You know, when you when you see yourself in that alley and you see that incident, you know, what is it that 
comes to the forefront for you in your heart? Uh, for me, I, I think it's important also for, for people to understand that the action, the, um, the ugliness, uh, the act of violence is uh, it's very important to know that similar, and, I, and this is not to minimize my part at all, but I, I do think it's important for people to understand that, that generally, uh, on a large degree, these sort of things are, are often uh, symptoms rather than the cause of something deeper. Um, when I was uh, quite young, um, my older brother was was shot by an African American. Um, uh, you know, people ask, where did that hate come from? I, I had a uh, uh, very volatile relationship with my father. Um, there, there was, um, you know, a lot of uh, putting down. You can call it verbal abuse if you want. So for me, when when I would partake in an act of violence to subjugate another human being or to dehumanize actually another person. Uh, when I was taking part in, in that act, I had the power. I had the control. Whereas I did not have that in, in my, in my home life. Um, you know, that's, that's my own sort of self analytical, uh, thing there. Uh, like I said, that this is not in any way to, to minimize my part. I'm not, you know, trying to put the blame on somebody else. Um, but for me, that evening was, it was more violent than, than usual. Um, but it was not unheard of back in those days in, in, in Hollywood. You had, Basically, two groups of people who who ran the streets. You had the punk rockers. This is the, when the hardcore punk scene was going on, and you had the gay growing uh, gay community. Um, and we would bump heads from time to time. Um, very often, uh, and a lot of people who were involved with the punk scene, especially newer or younger punk rockers, they get upset. And they say, well, you make punk rockers sound like they're, they're violent racists and all this other sort of thing. We had gay people within the punk scene, um, but you had different groups. Most of us came from the suburbs. Very many of us were, you know, picked on or whatever for being different. And when we would go to Hollywood, that was in our minds and my perception, especially for me, was these are my streets, you know, and um so and violence was very much a part of of the punk scene back then and i was um not yet a skinhead but i was uh, a self uh espou- I, I considered myself to be a uh um what they call a nazi punk and um as i said it made me feel powerful and to be involved w- with that violence whether i was getting hit or whether I was hitting somebody else. Now that particular evening, uh, we had left a concert, and it was probably a two-mile drive to to the place where the incident took place. And, it, and we used to go there on a regular basis. In fact, me and Matthew still argue about whose hangout it was. Um, <laughs> but uh, we stopped two or three times to simply get out of the car and hand out a slap. Um, I don't recall, you know, who who else got hit that night uh, prior to arriving, um, what the reasons were, um, but it was not uncommon for us to, if somebody had hair past their collar, they were a hippie, um, and you also have to realize we were we were made fun of and stuff like that at schools by the, the long-haired kids. Um, and the popular kids, and most of us were, you know, uh different uh-huh. and when we were together we were as one uh the in a nutshell the violence made me feel whole for me mm. it was like a drug um mm-hmm. it matthew in the past has described the incident as being like slow motion he remembers every little detail 
um, for me, it was like a surge of of power, uh, like hitting fast forward uh, on the, on the remote control, mm. and a power surge. And um, yes, Matthew was the uh, smallest person there. Uh, there was actually uh, other people involved uh, that were also attacked who had uh, struggled a little bit and uh, had been successful in getting to their feet and throwing a couple punches and running away. Um, and that's I was actually fighting somebody else, and I turned to my right, and I looked over, and Matthew was on the ground being kicked, um, but he was still moving. And I walked over to this group of guys, and he and he had put his head up and, and sort of to, you know, plead, you know, stop. And when he looked up, I told these other guys that I was with, I said, what's wrong with you guys? I said, don't you know how to put a boot in? And I, I kicked Matthew in the forehead, and, and as Matthew said, um, he went out. We didn't know whether he was alive. We didn't know whether he was dead. We did have a uh, young lady with us. She didn't. Uh, she wasn't involved with the violence, um, but she was very concerned and started screaming at us and called us. We're, we're, you know, you guys are so messed up. You know, not quite that language, but. Um, and uh, she said, oh, my gosh, you know, I think you guys killed him. I think you guys killed him. We told her to, to be quiet. And, yes, there was the bravado, the standard bravado and the high-fiving and, and this sort of behavior, which was not unusual. What was different, though, was when we got in our cars to go back to the suburbs very quickly, um, she kept on, you know, oh, my God, I think you guys killed him. Oh. And we told her to be quiet, and we turned up the radio, and we just sort of, you know, didn't talk about it. You know, usually we would mm -hmm. be bragging about it all the way home. Um, and the other people that were involved, the people that I know that were involved uh, or were present, um, have never talked about it. I mean, there was a couple instances where we would talk about that particular um mm -hmm incident or that place in particular where a lot of people used to hang out after concerts because it was a big, you know, everybody in the punk scene in Hollywood used to go there after concerts. And uh, we would sort of look at each other and, and you know, we, we deep down inside, I, I, I think that we knew what was going on. But it was one of those things that I filed, you know, way back in the back. Hide that file in the back of the filing cabinet and don't think about it. So for... 26 years before I met Matthew again, uh, from time to time, that thought would come up. You know, I didn't know for sure whether he was dead. Um, wow. But, you know, I thought that he was because he wasn't moving. And um, obviously I went on to <clears throat> bigger and badder things when I got involved with the white racialist uh, movement, if you want to call it a movement, or the struggle as they call it. Um, to where it was much more uh, organized rather than uh, on-the-fly sort of uh, behavior. Wow. You know, this is – I want to thank you both for, for sharing what you just did. We're going to take a short break, you know, because people – Right now, you know, this, this, this idea to move from hate to love or hate to forgiveness is, is such an indication of the rise of consciousness. And you both have become, you know, pillars of that conversation. When we come back, we're going to talk with both Matthew and Tim, uh, about the transition from alley to ally. How did these two highly unlikely people meet again? How did they get together? How did they move from alley to ally? Stay tuned. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. We'll be right back. Hey, Mary, I haven't seen you in so long. You look so different. What happened to your glasses? Did you have surgery? Whoa, I never noticed how blue your eyes are. 
no, I didn't have surgery, and I don't have to wear glasses anymore. I searched the Internet, and I found a website. It's called bettereyesightnow.com. It is the best thing I have ever done. There's a program called Regaining Your Vision Naturally, and, oh, by the way, it helps reduce stress. You should check it out, and you might be able to get rid of your glasses. Go to bettereyesightnow.com. Naturopathic doctor, founder of the Martha's Vineyard Holistic Retreat, and author of the New York Times bestseller, 21 Pounds in 21 Days, Dr. Ronnie Deleuze has helped tens of thousands of people, including celebrities and athletes, with her message of lifestyle change. Now, Dr. Ronnie Deleuze wants to help you. You, too, can be saved. Email Dr. Ronnie Deleuze at info at ronniedeleuzeonradio.com and visit mvholisticretreat.com. Dr. Ronnie Deleuze, your partner in wellness. The In Search of the Miraculous three-day workshop at the Omega Institute from July 29th to the 31st can change your life. Learn how to identify and erase your unconscious programs. Experience the quick and profound results of the revolutionary self-healing Dalian method. And fast-forward your healing journey into consciousness with direct individual guidance from Mata. To register for this life-changing workshop with Eliza Mata Dalian at the Omega Institute, visit the calendar of events at DalianMethod.com. Eight out of ten people suffer from chronic lower back pain. Are you one of them? Finally, a simple, inexpensive way you can stop the pain at home. It's called the Vacupractor. The Vacupractor's unique patented method uses vacuum pressure and leverage targeting only the lumbar region. You'll get guaranteed results or your money back, and it's far less than a trip to the doctor's office. Finally, a back pain treatment that works. For more information about the Vacupractor or to order yours, call 800-676-9320 or visit vacupractor.com. Hi, I'm Paul Bland. Did you know there is only one truly perfect food protein produced by nature? It can bring dramatic results to your health, your appearance, and overall performance. Introducing Action Whey. No other protein supplement on the market has been able to achieve the incredible health benefits of Action Whey while still achieving a taste that is better than a malt shop shake. Action Whey for the way nature intended. Visit seaandearth.com. That's S-E-A and earth.com for more information. Do you know how to achieve wellness in all areas of your life? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Signs of wellness are a capacity to love and ability to nurture, a sense of purpose, a good sense of humor and plenty of fun in your life, a concern for others and a respect for the environment, a conscious commitment to personal excellence, a sense of balance and integrated lifestyle, and capacity to cope with whatever life presents. Well, people enjoy their lives and want them to last as long as possible. That's why the wellness mindset usually accompanies other constructive healthy lifestyle habits. By adopting a wellness mindset and behaviors like eating well, taking the right nutrition for the body, exercising, and saying affirmations are just a few things to structure a healthy system of values and beliefs. I will be your wellness coach to help you achieve a wellness lifestyle. Call us at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. And visit us at maryjanemack.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basili. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Matthew Boger and Tim Zoll joining me here today. You know, two of the most unlikely people getting together to talk about forgiveness. And and, and Matt, Matthew, thank you so much for joining me. Let, let's kind of... You know, let's kind of fast forward. What I said, how do we get from the alley to uh, becoming the ally? Uh, and that is kind of interesting. You know, what brought you two together now? Well, I had spent my life, you know, living kind of unknown in a way, sort of subconsciously living my life as a victim. I lived from a place of fear. And what brought us together is, is very sort of there's no coincidences but we both took a journey and ended in the same place um, which was the Museum of Tolerance in Los Angeles where I became the manager and Tim was a motivational speaker and for several months we did not know who the other one was in our past and I ended up there because of the death of Matthew Shepard and was sitting on my sofa and had a moment where I said I can change the channel because this story is too difficult to watch, 
or I can get up and change my life by doing something for those who no longer have a voice. That's how I ended up at the Museum of Tolerance. Befriending Tim for several months before we actually sat down one day, and as some people may who know Tim already know this, Tim and I have terrible ADD. We will talk about multiple subjects unless someone keeps us in line. And we were having a conversation and jumping all different directions in that conversation. And one of the things that had come up was where we grew up and where we hung out and how we ended up at the museum. And it very quickly realized that we both hung out at the same hamburger stand. And I believe one of Tim's comments was, well, yeah, we used to hang out there, but one night um, it was just really violent. And I looked at him and had turned white. And I said, I believe what I said to him is, you know who you're sitting across from. And he said, I knew about two minutes ago. And that was that moment of realization that I'm sitting across from one of the 14 perpetrators that was in the alley and had nearly taken my life. Mm, wow. And, you know, so many thoughts had run through my head. I, you know, I actually I got up. I was polite, too. I said, you know, I really have to go. I'm terribly sorry to end this, but I, need, I have stuff I need to do. I'll talk to you later. And for two weeks, because it was another two weeks before I saw him, so many things ran through my mind of what I was going to do, how I was going to get exact my revenge on this man who had taken so much from me. And I blamed him for every single bad choice in my life from the alley to the museum. And, you know, that two weeks came around where we saw each other again. Uh, he was doing something for me, actually, at the museum. And... There was this, just this moment, this instant moment, where Tim very uh, passively apologizes and says, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And it was that moment. It wasn't like instant forgiveness, by the way. It wasn't like, okay, I forgive you. We're cool. It was just that was the beginning of yet another journey in my life of moving, of deciding what I was going to do. You know, nobody was going to fault me if I hung on to that anger of what he did, nobody would disagree with me. But it was a personal choice for me to embark on yet another journey and another chapter of how I was going to move forward from both instances, the alley and the conversation in the museum, and what I was going to do with that. And it took, as I had said earlier, it took a good solid two years to move forward and now it's sometimes a daily process of continuing to forgive Tim and to see him in a different light, to see him who he is today. But more importantly is that I can live in complete 100% freedom from all of that negative energy, all of that anger, all of that resentment is no longer directing my life because I made that choice and embarked on that journey to forgive him. Well, I mean, it is freeing. I mean, we hear this often, don't we, Matthew? I mean, you know, people hear this notion of, you know, forgive and forget, forgive and love, you know, release and let go. There's freedom in telling the truth. There's freedom in being the truth. I mean, we hear this over and over again, but very few people actually know how to do what you did. Um, And so it's, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And it's important for people to understand that one of the things I had to come to terms with was that the 14 guys are no less accountable and no less responsible for what they did. Forgiveness was more about, and in fact, it's 100% about me. Yes, letting okay, go great. Of that. It wasn't saying that, okay, Tim, I, I forgive you and, you know, we've moved into this great friendship and you're off the hook. He is off the hook in a way. But when it comes to the instant alley, I will never forget what happened. And I don't want to forget what happened because of where we are today. And what we are now able to do with the story because we are able to share a very well balanced on both sides, the incident as well as our friendship. Oh, Tim, I, I, from your point of view, you know, you're listening to Matthew and, and of course you've heard this many, many times. Um, you created a shift in your life, a change in your life. 
And both of you are involved now in a program called Hate to Hope. And, 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 you know, so for, for this conversation, you know, what is it that you can see in your life that has contributed to the healing process for both you and for Matthew? And how has this shift of yours created an opening to change the world? I want to take a short break. And when we come back, Tim, I want to hear from you. I want to hear about Hate to Hope and what your personal message is for people all over the world. You're listening to The Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, how do we go from hate to hope? If you've gone through a separation and feel disappointment, despair, loss of identity, and fear, there is a new pathway to joy for you. SoulWorks Coaching empowers you to go through this separation with soul and hope. So get ready to step into a new relationship with yourself and build a fabulous new life. Contact Monique today at 617-328-7113. That's 617-328-7113. And visit soulworkscoaching.com. Give yourself this gift of love today. Do you dream of being on the amazing race? Well, here's your chance. Grab a friend and prepare for an exhilarating race around the city when City Solve Urban Race comes to your city. Teams of two will solve clues and face fun challenges while racing around the city. The winning team gets $300 and a chance to be in the Las Vegas Championship race to compete for a grand prize of $5,000. Not only will you have a ton of fun, you'll also be helping a good cause. A portion of the proceeds will benefit a local charity. To start racing, go to City solveurbanrace.com Hi, I'm Dr. Lucinda Messer. Are you having problems with raising your vitamin D levels? Well, you're not alone. Here are the top three reasons why it's difficult to raise them. Number one, you may not be taking enough for your weight. Most people require 1,000 units per 25 pounds of body weight. Number two, you may not be taking it with the proper kind of food. And number three, you may be experiencing what they call vitamin D resistance. To learn more about this, visit my website, PowerfulD.com. That's PowerfulD.com. Is Egypt calling you? Are you dreaming of taking a spiritual pilgrimage to one of the most magical destinations on the planet? Being in Egypt immerses you in the realm of infinite possibilities. The veils are thinner, your connection to your full potential more accessible, and your heart opens more easily. Picture yourself meditating inside the Great Pyramid, exploring the sacred temples in exclusive visits, and cruising down the Nile on a luxurious sailing yacht. If you're interested in travel that transforms and rejuvenates you, join Dr. Friedemann Schaub and Danielle Rama Hoffman, author of The Temples of Light for a Spiritual and Healing Journey to Egypt this November. Call for more information, 866-903-6463. That's 866-903-6463. Or visit EgyptIsCalling.com. That's EgyptIsCalling.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basili. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Dog Radio to Thrive By. To Air is Human, to Forgive is Divine with Matthew Boger and Tim Zoll. And here's the deal. You know, we are going through an enormous time and opportunity. All of us are. And many people dispute whether or not consciousness is rising. I don't dispute that. You know why? Because I get to talk to people like Matthew and Tim every day. I get to hear about people like Eric Lawyer, who are, honestly, guys, this, this firefighter guy is spending every dime he has saved to launch an event uh, for love. You both have done so much to raise the bar for all of us on what it means to forgive. Tim, I want to get back to you as you were listening to Matthew uh, talk about, you know, his journey, how you met and where you are today. And so the question for you then becomes, how did you go from hate to hope? And what is the program hate to hope? For, for me, um, my transformation, I guess, from my enlightenment or whatever you want to call it, um, it was very gradual and, and most people who are former, you know, gangbangers or former skinheads or former radical jihadists, 
um, will, will often tell you it's, it's not like they got struck by lightning one day and said, oh, I'm going to stop doing this, um, stop thinking like this. It just doesn't happen like that. It is a process. For me, I went from having this very close-knit, um, a very minimal, limited social uh, circle um, with people who thought just like I thought. Um, we, you know, blocked out the rest of the world, um, had a victim mentality, and a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, you know, radical white people, uh, skinheads, feeling like they're victims. Uh, you know, they feel that they're victims because the whole rest of the world is against them and the white race is going to be destroyed and all this sort of thing. Um, to uh, having a child, um, and I was um, led to believe through indoctrination um, that it was my duty to raise my child in in that sort of mindset. And his first words were full of racial epithets. Um, if if there was an epiphany, um, it would have had to have been when my son was around two years old. We were in the grocery store and he saw an African-American man in the store and he pointed at him and said the N-word. wasn't the first time, wasn't the last time. Um, however, at that particular time, I was, if, if it would have happened at another time, I don't know if, if what would have happened, but I was very receptive at that particular point in time because at that particular point in time, I was a little bit disgruntled with the white racialist movement. There was starting to be a lot of drug use and a lot of criminal behavior that had nothing to do with politics and, and people were being put up on pedestals for being involved with just sickening, you know, stupid crimes. Um, and so I was more receptive. And the people around me pointed at me and were shaming me. And, and for the first time, it actually penetrated my my macho facade, um, which... You know, I started to to look around me more, and I started to seek ways out of the white racialist movement. Eventually, I ended up moving out of Southern California, which actually helped. Um, you know, they say it's a very multicultural community, but uh, you, you'd be surprised. I mean, the the race card is definitely thrown about quite often, um, and um, I ended up traveling around the country because of my job and seeing the United States in a different way without any distractions, without any uh, outside influences. And my social network became, began to broaden. Uh-huh. Um, I was working with uh, an African-American supervisor in the New Orleans area who treated uh-huh. me with respect. I ended up in Denver, Colorado, where I uh, started to hang out with the rockabilly scene and the rave scene and where people <laughs> accepted me. They actually accepted me when they found out that I was, used to be involved with the skinhead thing and, and used to be a racist. They would sit down and ask me questions. They didn't shun me at all. They were accepting of me. And then I uh, met my current wife, who who happens to be a nice little... Uh, Jewish girl from Texas with a southern twang, um, which, you know, totally blew my perception of Jewish people because I was led to believe that Jewish people were, you know, all from New York City and had an accent and acted a certain way and all the conspiracies and she was the total opposite. Um, so I was shown, you know, in, in a very, uh, two or three year period, that what I have had been led to believe my entire life was pretty much lies and wow. uh, uh, misconceptions and starting to hang out with uh, Jewish people. Um, you know, when we moved back to Southern California, I had gone and, and seen a former skinhead speak and he was at the Museum of Tolerance and he was leaving the Museum of Tolerance and it opened the door for me to go in there, and um, once I started at the Museum of Tolerance, um, here I was um, mm. working uh, alongside uh, gay people, people of all different ethnicities, and most importantly, Holocaust survivors. 
because wow. I had, you know, for many years involved in the white racialist movement, you know, uh, talked about Holocaust denial and, and things like that. And, and when these little fragile elderly men and women talk about their stories to think that people deny their life experience, mm. deny the validity of their life experience is saddening. And when they give you a hug, Mm. You feel it. So my social network was was much uh, more uh, broad, and people were accepting me. Wow! Um, wow! And then the hate to hope came to be due to Matthew and I meeting one another, and um. That experience alone has also uh, led to uh, broadening of enlightenment and, and meeting new people. And actually, at one time, Matthew invited me over to his house um, and told me he was having a small gathering. And the next thing you know, there's his backyard is filled with approximately mm. 60 gay men. And I admit it was a little bit uncomfortable, but... Uh, in order for people to learn, I think it's important that we get out of our comfort zones. Well, let's um, let's just this is really a great place for us to kind of wrap up because you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a call to get out of our comfort zones. And I want to thank both of you for joining me here today. Incredible. You know, Matt uh, Matthew, uh, you know, we have a minute or so here. I wanted to ask you what is your personal message? What would you like to leave us with? And I want to thank both of you for what you're doing. This is an incredible, incredible effort. Go ahead, Matthew. In that, in that short moment, yeah, Tim and I created Hate to Hope in order to have and create honest and open dialogue through tragedy to healing. And we always say at the end to ask people of four categories of who you want to be, and those categories are the perpetrator, the victim, a bystander who does nothing, or an ally who at great personal risk and sometimes financially will stand up and take action. We can move between those categories. As you can see that Tim went from a perpetrator to an ally. I went from a victim to a bystander and then on to an ally. Those questions we ask people, we don't ask them to answer us. We just say, you know, reflect on that. Which of those four people are you now? Who would you want to be and how are you going to get there? And through that open, honest dialogue in our program, Hate to Hope, we were able to do that. We don't give lectures. We open the room up to a discussion, and we use our story as the launching point. Well, thank you both. I can't say enough about what you're doing. A phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, what's the best website for people to go to? Um, hatetohope.org, and it's hate, the number two, hope.org, and then they can reach us. There's a place to email it, and I get it to my iPhone, so I get it right away. Oh, it's amazing. Thank you both for doing what you do. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. If you've missed any part of this, please go back and listen to it. DrPatLive.com is the website. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Dr. Pat Show, radio to thrive by. To contact Dr. Pat, visit thedrpatshow.com. Tune in next Thursday for another dynamic hour of The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. 